What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking with Steph Iliff. I am so excited for this podcast and to be bringing it to you every single week to be just talking about all the things that life has to offer us, right? I'm hoping that I can bring you some insights, some laughter, some amazing interviews with some awesome powerhouses who have let go of fear, who have totally stepped into themselves, who are living their best life so you can learn from them. I want to be talking to you every single week as well about different things that are going on in my life as a self-love coach, as a mom, as a woman, as someone who is dating and like the whole dating scene and how it's so important that we date with self-love so we don't ruin our own self-love, how to create, you know, amazing habits that truly stick with you for a lifetime so you become your best self, so you can become your inner powerhouse and how to just let go of fear and fully step into you. So every week I'm going to be bringing you different topics that align with that, different interviews with different amazing people. And we're just going to be talking about it and having the best time. So thank you so much for joining in to Just Talking with Steph Island. What is up, you guys? I'm so excited for this week's podcast today. I have Aaron Wagner, my special guest today, guys. And we're going to be talking about all the things about entrepreneurship and mindset. And just to kind of give you guys a little background about him is that he is, he doesn't like this word self-made entrepreneur, but we're going to ask him why specifically, but he really is self-made. He came here from Canada. So I hope that you're saying a boot a little bit or something with that. Right. And I'm surprised I'm not wearing like all denim. I got to throw like some Canadian jokes out at you, but like, he's just super powerful. He's really impacted my life without ever speaking to him and has really just empowered me to keep on with my entrepreneur journey. Um, he has been in real estate. He played football. He's done all the things. And I'm sure you guys have all tried out Crumble before. He also was that. He's into even like women's clothing, all the stuff. So I'm super excited for you guys to learn from him and hear from him. So welcome, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. So tell me first, really why do you like the word self-made entrepreneur? Um, I, I mean, I don't mind it. I that people love to pat themselves on the back, right? I mean, every, it's one of the, it's one of the most powerful, um, it's really one of the most motivating and powerful human needs is the need of significance. So when we like, when we tell ourselves that we're self-made, it just makes us feel like we've done more than we were expected. And I think people, that makes them feel significant. Um, I just don't think it's accurate. I mean, cause nobody's really self-made, right? I mean, we've all had influences in our lives um, me included, like the successes I've had in my life have obviously been despite this and despite that and overcoming this. And people love the stories of overcoming and, and winning despite all the odds. Right. But at the same time, at every point that you could say, Hey, I won despite this, or I overcame that you could also point out people that helped you do it or, and they may not even have been willingly helping you or knowingly helping you. But just like you find inspiration and seek inspiration from people around you and in your circles, uh, especially in today's day and age where you're digesting content over the internet and learning and, and growing and being inspired by people you've never even met, it's really difficult to ever say, you know, you did it by yourself. And so that's really what it comes down to. I just don't think it's a really accurate term. No, I absolutely love that. And you speak a lot about like mentorship and learning from others. Who would you say has taught you some of your greatest lessons? You know, that's... That's a good question. You know, I, I think I kind of did it backwards, right? So in terms of business and throughout my life, I've been a really kind of that stubborn, hard-headed kid that had to learn the hard lessons like the hard way. And I think that wisdom is, is taking and learning those lessons from people without having to experience it yourself. 
uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of wisdom beyond my age growing up. So I just had to like learn the hard way. But uh, to answer your question, um, I never really took like a mentorship in my business or anything, but I think I learned most of what I know and probably got the most valuable lessons from my parents because although my parents haven't found a lot of success in business or life overall, um, you know, my dad, he's um, very unhealthy physically. He's never really found any success in any of his business endeavors. Uh, despite being a serial entrepreneur, he just has never been able to win. I still can look back at his life and, and gain valuable, valuable lessons from his mindset in terms of being ambitious and optimistic and never giving up and just being gritty and, and really despite everybody always telling him that he couldn't do it or fail or, th or that he'd fail. And, and sometimes even though they were right, he just didn't believe it, which is, which is an incredible, um, it's an incredible characteristic to have because you need to have it as an entrepreneur. There's always going to be more people telling you you can't in your life than can. So you need to be the one that's always cheerleading for yourself. If, if that person's not there, if you're not there for yourself, then, you know, good luck if anybody's cheering for you. So I think my parents have been great examples of that. My mom's been a really hard worker. And um, I think those are probably maybe the only two mentors I've really truly had that I can apply like my business and life successes. And it's not just from the good thing that things that they've taught me, but just as importantly, I've seen where they failed miserably. I can't remember if you, this was like your interview with on your YouTube or with Jimmy Rex I listened to, but you talked about like, so that's what the hardest part for people is to really get over like their limiting beliefs that they have about themselves and like this limited story. So for right. you, what was like the limiting story for you that you had to get over to gain your success and to be able to win? Because kind of going back to your dad, like he's a serial entrepreneur, but has never been able to win. So there has to be some story that he just can't like quite fight through yet to like have that win. Or I guess in your eyes, what would that be? And then what is the story for you that you had to get over and jump through um, and that way you can make all the touchdowns that you've been able to do in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think the answers to those, I mean, in terms of my, in terms of maybe my, my parents, uh, self-limiting beliefs, um, I don't know. I can't really pinpoint what theirs are. I know that they had a lot of, uh, limitations that were actually probably weren't even self-induced, yeah. um, just from where they came from. You know, my parents, my, my dad grew up, he had like six different mothers, you know, his dad was married like seven times. He went to like 14 different schools and never made it past the eighth grade. So, you know, my mom, I think made, made it, I think, she, I think my mom finished in eighth or ninth grade as well. So my parents, you know, the pretty primitive people, you know, her family is a bunch of drug addicts and drug dealers. And, you know, my, and she lost her dad when she was six. So she grew up super dirt poor. So where they came from to where, what they raised the children and the people and what they produced, I think they did a hell of a job, yeah. but they, um, so I don't, most of their limits, I don't think were self-imposed. I think they, they definitely performed outside of what was expected or what was given them in terms of my self-limiting beliefs. I would say that I've imposed a lot of those on myself, um, mostly just based on like a lack of understanding or knowledge of the bigger picture of like macro, right? So like for me, when it came to businesses, or I would even say sports, like when I first started in sports in Canada, I grew up in a place where people said like, 
this is going to sound crazy to Americans, but football, where nobody really plays football, uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a country of hockey players. Um, watching like an American college football game or an NFL game or pro game, um, most of my friends growing up in the as a kid, they pretty much just believed that like Americans had different DNA or something that made them better at sports. I don't know why, especially football, right? Definitely not hockey, but football, because I remember them saying. Things like this, like this was common to be said was like, oh, Canadians don't have a chance to play in like American football. They couldn't play U.S. college football. They can't like we couldn't do that. They're just way bigger, stronger, faster down there. And it's like they honestly would say that like like Americans were born with bigger, stronger, faster DNA or physiology. I was like, this is weird, but I kind of like bought into it because that's just what everybody believed. And I remember the the very, very clearly we were sitting – in my buddy's basement and it was I think the first college football game that I've ever watched it was Florida State versus Virginia Tech and it was Michael Vick versus Peter Warwick and these two were like the most astounding like college football players but I knew nothing about them I'd never watched a college football game in my life and I think it was the national championship these guys it was an incredible game but I remember so clearly watching the game and and the the TV screen it kind of scanned the crowd and there was like 100,000 people or something in the stadium, they said. They're like, yeah, today we're playing again in front of 106,000 people or something. And I was like, I remember thinking to myself and looking around to my buddies in this basement like, dude, these are college kids, like a year older than us. They're playing in front of 100,000 people. Like we had like eight, 12 people come to our high school football they were game. Like, cousins and just, family. They were just our parents. Like, yeah, it was like – our parents, you know, and maybe girlfriends or something would show up, right? But it was like, you know, our biggest game of the year might get 50 people. And so 100,000 people was like, wow, people care like that? Like, this is nuts. And I remember, like, mostly just out of, like, arrogance, I, I watched that and I was like, I told my buddies, I looked at them, I was like, dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play in front of 100,000 people one day. Yeah. You know, I was the star of my team, and I thought, like, I'm going to do this. And my buddies just kind of looked at me and they totally scoffed me, which I expected because everybody was telling me that like you have to be American physiologically to even have a chance. And so I just like, no, I'm going to go do that. And they were like, no, there's no chance. Da, da, da. And I made it like a goal right then going into my senior year that I was just going to outwork everybody and I was going to make this happen. And it's a long story. It's a cool story, but it's a long story of how I got myself from that point of like not even watching college football to having um, college scholarship offers. And it was a lot of work and and on my part and just mostly just hustle to get those scholarship offers and to come to the United States and on a full scholarship to be able to have my school paid for. But I remember very clearly like that was, that was a major self-limiting belief is like people were telling me and I was believing that I couldn't do this. And it was the same thing kind of over and over again, yeah. even um, from the college ranks then to the pros. And then also like when I started business, you know, you look at certain business people and you kind of put them on a pedestal. Like, Hey, these guys are super smart people. Like if they're successful, they're just smarter than me. And, and I know that sounds crazy, but people are saying that to themselves right now. Like people that listen to your stuff, they, they literally look at people. They could probably name four or five people that they're like, these people are incredible and they're just like better or they're smarter. And the truth of it is they probably aren't better no. and they're probably not smarter. Like maybe some of them are like, I, I get that, but 
most of the time, that's just us telling ourselves. What I learned was that every time I kind of, what I call graduated the ranks of hierarchy in business or in social circles, I was, I was super, super surprised to find out that these people that I held on pedestals were actually not nearly as smart as I thought they were, or not nearly as disciplined as I thought they were, or didn't work as hard as I thought they did, or um, they just didn't have really any of the advantages that I automatically gave them. I like, I like gave them their body armor that didn't even exist. And so what that did for me is it really kind of liberated me of those self-limiting beliefs because um, I don't think it's always healthy, but for me it worked. I've always contrasted and compared myself against others. And you know, a lot of life coaches, a lot of people say that's not a healthy thing to do. It worked for me. Like I've just always had confidence in myself. My parents, when I was a kid, they always said, Aaron, you can do anything you want to do and you can be the best and you can, and it's kind of the way I raised my kids as well. But I will say this, what that gave me was that when I got in the room or when I got hip to hip with somebody and I realized what tools they had and what their advantages were, and I could contrast them to what I was equipped with mentally, physically, everything, right? It was easy for me to say, if they can do it, I can. And if they can do it, probably do it better. And that gave me a ton of confidence. And so as I've graduated those ranks, I've been every, at every level, I've been surprised how those people really aren't that much better or smarter and they're not equipped with much more than we are or I was. And so it gave me a lot of confidence to just dive in and just outwork people and just beat them in business and in life. And so um, now I'm to a point where I've learned that although that got me to a healthy place, it really isn't healthy for, for me to contrast and compare myself with others. And now the biggest thing for me is, is trying to contrast, contrast myself where I'm at with where I know I should be or where I know my best self is. And so for me, the, the major thing that I do on a constant basis is I want to make myself proud because I know what I'm capable of. I can see that big picture of like my, my true potential. And that's what I'm comparing myself against every day now. It's like when I make a shitty decision or I'm not as disciplined as I should, I literally have to look myself in the mirror and be like, you're better than that. I know you're better than that, you know? And so that's where I'm at now. And it's, it's a good place. I love that. I love that so much. And there's so much, there's so many like awesome nuggets within that. Um, I love, and you talked about like how you parent your children with that. You have, you guys have seven kids. Is that right? Seven. Yeah. That's amazing. Like just be able to do all that you do and have seven kids and you're so involved with that. And your wife is the same. So like bless her. She's amazing. Yeah. Um, but kind of with that, what I like to kind of break down a little bit is how you're saying like, okay, yeah, I have, I've compared myself to where I'm at now. And now you're kind of trying to like unlearn that behavior is what I heard a little bit of like, okay, how do I contract to be my best self that I know I can be and that I'm capable of? And what's your process of determining that and then like trusting yourself enough to step into your best self? Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of the unlearning process is just gaining confidence, right? When I was young, although I, everybody that knows me as a young kid, high school or, or even before, would, would always say like, Aaron's always been cocky. Like I've always, I've, that's who, how I came across to people. Um, unfortunately that cockiness was just really a mask of insecurity. It always had been because I always just wanted to prove that I could, or I should, or that I was something or that I was as good or better than somebody else. And it all just came from a place of insecurity. So stripping myself of that and trying to build on a foundation that was, that was solid for myself and not for others 
that was, that was what I had to learn and unlearn. Right. And so I've been able to do that over the years now. And I think the way that I've been able to do that is mostly just by winning. It's like when, and when I say winning, I don't mean winning flawlessly. I mean, just winning. So when I fail, getting back up and, and accomplishing when I, when I fall short, who cares? Try again and win. And so you hear this kind of redundant banter from people on the internet a lot right now about like failure, so critical of the success, but it's not cliche. It's just real. Like people are saying it successful. People are saying it because it's so critical. Like you're going to fail and you're going to have hiccups and hit roadblocks and barriers and dead ends, but that's not the end. That literally should be the building block to formulating a foundation that helps you be able to get over everything. And so for me, that's been the key is like, just like anything, when you practice and you get little wins, you're going to get better at them. It's going to get easier the next time. It's going to get more routine. It's going to become natural. And so for, for most athletes, like really good high performing athletes, it's, it becomes like muscle memory for them. And everybody that's like a high performing athlete, one thing that they know about life is that the higher that you progress, especially in sports, I'm just going to use it as an analogy in sports. What happens as the game progresses is everything and everyone gets faster. You have less time to react and make decisions and think through processes. So like in football, when you go from the high school level to the college level, now everybody's faster, the plays are happening quicker, you have less time to think and make decisions. So your brain has to work a lot quicker and your muscle memory has to kind of just take over. And the people that can make that transition are the ones that thrive at the next level. It's not necessarily just the people that are actually faster, like run faster or bigger and stronger. There's lots of those people that come in with all the measurables, but they don't have any success at the next level because their mind can't slow down that process or slow down the game. As you go from the college level to the pro level, you hear people like Michael Jordan and, and, and some of the best quarterbacks in the, in the world in history, they constantly say, I was able to slow the game down. So even though everything's happening at like 5X speed, they're able to slow it down and process at like a, what feels like normal 1X speed instead of a 5X speed. And that's what allows people to thrive. And so um, for me, I've just learned, I learned that from through sports that I needed to con condition my mind to do that. So for me, when people say like, oh, I don't have time. Well, we all have the exact same amount of time. Really what we have is priorities within the exact same period of time. And so I, you'll never hear me tell anybody that I don't have time. It actually sounds shallow when I think about this because people say, hey, can you do this? And I'll say, no, it's not a priority. That sounds mean. It kind of sounds like shallow for me to tell you you're not a priority. But I, you'll never hear me say, no, sorry, I don't have time for that. Because I have the same time as you do. I have the same time as everybody else. But that is not a priority. It's not a priority over this or this or this or this. So I'm just going to tell you, no, it's not a priority. Because saying you don't have time is just an excuse. So what I've learned is that I have the same amount of time. I have to prioritize what I'm going to use that time in doing. But... If I can slow down life through the processing and accomplish more in that same time period, that's what makes people super effective and super efficient. And we all know these people that you're like, dude, how do they do all that? Yeah. Like the same 24 hours, but like, how are they running 10 companies and they got these kids and they're traveling and they're doing this and they got five hobbies. And it's like, 
Sure, they, they probably sleep less than the normal person, but that's because that's a priority. Like sleep became less of a priority than this, 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 and this. It's not that they had any less time or any more time than anybody else. And so with your question, that's how I've done it. I've had to say, hey, I'm going to get more efficient. I'm going to slow things down. I'm going to process quicker. And then I'm going to load my priorities and that time with what's most important so that I can be effective in a lot of things. And to be honest, I just don't have a lot of like waste in my time. I mean, I get that kind of thing from my friends or people around me all the time. Like even some of my most productive and successful friends, they'll be on stage and they'll be like, I don't, or on a video or or a podcast, and they'll be like, I don't want to hear you don't have time because my buddy runs 20 companies and has seven kids under 12, has been married 15 years and travels the world. So if he can figure it out, and he's just a dumb football player that had a bunch of concussion. So it's like, if he can figure it out, good people can figure it out. And, And I would echo the same thing. It's like, just make priorities and become efficient. And you know, it's, it's kind of like these memes too. You know, you see people all the time, like talking about Netflix and everything else. It's like people that say they're busy. If you really made a list of everything you're doing in your everyday life, like how much time are you spending scrolling internet how, or Instagram, how much time are you watching Netflix series? People ask me every day, Hey man, did you see this? Do this? It's like, dude, I haven't watched TV for 10 years. Like I, I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't know what any of those series are. I get, I get approached at least three times a week. Hey, dude, you look just like this guy on this series of Vikings, or you look just like the dude on Sons of Anarchy. I'm like, never even seen the shows. I don't even know who that person is, you know? But yeah. I think it's, and I don't say that right? to pat them on the back. Like everybody, it's just priorities, right? Because like yeah. I have hobbies that yeah. other people would say are probably waste, waste, waste of time or whatever. So it's okay to watch TV and watch Netflix and watch those things. But don't use those as an excuse for why you haven't produced or been productive in these other things. Just don't do it. You know, if that's more important to you, that's okay. Because I'm I'm not anybody's ruler for success. Like people want to always talk about success. Success is like totally subjective or object. It's it's up to you. Like you determine what. Absolutely. So like for me, like I said, I think that these things on the list are going to determine how I feel successful about my life. There's other people that are going to look at my list and they're going to be like, that would mean nothing to me. That would do nothing for my significance or my happiness. Great. Don't be the ruler for your success then. So it's a trap though that the, that the internet and YouTube and podcasts have kind of created for people because now you look at successful people. We have a lot of transparency to their life, to their lives, into their lives. And what happens is there are some, very common parallels of a lot of successful people. So then all of a sudden everybody else says, well, I have to be that if I want to be successful. And that's just a lie. You don't have to be any of that. You should just figure out what makes you happy, like truly happy and then create your plan and then just execute. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that that they're all huge key takeaways is just like constantly winning, constantly telling yourself that you can do it and pushing through and really understanding what your priorities are. And I think that's a powerful statement. I'm just going, no, that's just not a priority to me to say that rather than I don't have the time. And I would invite our viewers to go ahead and try that out this week and see what that does for you. And I do that with a lot of my clients. But I'm like, no, you have the time. Let's let's sit down and like take inventory. Where's your time actually going? It's like a bank account, right? Like when you start to see where you're actually all your outputs at, you're like, is that really the investments I want to make in my life? And same like you, I, I gave up TV so I could work on the goals that I wanted to because when I was working full time, 
and creating my business, that was the only way I could have time. I'm like, oh, I can also sleep four hours a night and I'll figure that out. Like you just figure out what is truly important to you. And I think you know that on the head. And another thing I'd like to kind of ask you and talk to you about is that you talk about entrepreneurship with that is that you kind of have to go into it like bulletproof to be like, I can succeed no matter what, because people aren't telling me that I can. Like you just gotta go into it. And it's kind of like this invisible shield. And then once you start to succeed, you're like, cool, I can do anything, like let's go. And so then you get more creative and get more ideas. But as you start to shift and adapt, sometimes we're not always immediately successful. And you've talked about learning to adapt and like the best and most successful people are able to quickly adapt and reinvent themselves. So how, if you could kind of elaborate on that and just talk to me about that, I think that'd be really great. Yeah, so I mean, the first part, the first part of that, in terms of being an entrepreneur, I, I think that it's absolutely critical that it's something you're committed to and that you start down a path believing in yourself. That's the number one. Like everybody always says, what's the number one ingredient to being successful? I don't care, entrepreneurship, relationships, anything. It comes down to like you have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, you're kind of screwed because every there's there's a lot of other people in the world that aren't gonna believe in you and it's gonna take a toll. So in terms of being bulletproof, man, I wish I was bulletproof. I wish that was possible. I don't know that it is, but you definitely have to have some armor, right? You definitely have to be able to withstand at least some blows. And for me, I've learned that, you know, the more that you can arm yourself with some of that armor so that it just is like ricocheting, you're going to be, it's going to be easier for you to focus on what you want to accomplish. And so, yeah, like I think the number one ingredient is believing in yourself and you have to withstand that. What's going to happen along the way, this is just like guaranteed in almost every business or endeavor from athletics to, uh, to um, business I've seen along the way is like you start having a little bit of success. People tell you you can't do it or you're not doing it wrong. You're not doing the highest and best way. And then you try your way. And your way might not be the best way, but it's the way you're going down. What, what happens along that way is as soon as you have a little bit of success, people will start to call you lucky. They'll be like, well, that was just a lucky deal or this was just a lucky this or that maybe it was maybe it wasn't but you do it again and you do it again and then people are like hmm he's getting lucky a lot right well maybe they should give you a little bit more credibility and so they start diving in and oh well he does this right that's the key or this this is different that's what he's doing different because people don't want to give credit to people most people don't want to give credit to people that are like coming up beside them or from underneath them, especially in the workplace or in the business world, thinking like these people know better than I do. I've been doing this longer than they have. But that's why like some of the most successful companies in the world have innovated from nothing. They weren't like people that have been in the industry forever. They were like people that knew nothing about it, just came in and turned it on its head, right? And so that happens naturally. And along the way, like that's happened to me, I don't know how many times where I start, I got a new industry, I started having some successes. Other industry professionals were like, man, he's super lucky. And I just got to a point where now when that happens, I know it's going to happen. I know they're going to say those things. And I just tell people, yeah, man, I'm the craziest mother lucker you've ever met in your life. Like I'm super lucky. It happens all the time. How am I so lucky? But the fact is, is that's going to happen. You're going to learn along the way. It's going to create confidence. It's going to become more natural and it's going to be easier and easier. And those principles, they transcend every industry. So if you have successes in sports 
or in relationships or in the workplace or in a business, the next thing that you take on, the next endeavor you take on, you're going to be able to take all of those successes and apply them and it's going to make it easier, even if it's a completely different industry. So people ask me a lot, they say, Aaron, well, with your firm, you're not really specialized. Like even when I was just doing real estate retail or they're in multifamily or they're in um, commercial office or they're in warehouse or industrial, like I don't specialize in any of those. My product and portfolio has kind of transcended all of those. We've got all those in our portfolio. What I learned was I wanted to specialize in just doing good business with good business principles and just out executing people. So that in itself to me is my special. I don't know as much as that specialist in the details of those, but I don't need to. I can have those same success levels in different ways amongst all industries. So when you ask about reinventing yourself, what happens, it's a pitfall of all of us, but it happened to me and I learned the hard way. When I started in real estate, I was in the foreclosure crisis. I was still playing pro football. A bunch of my investors were making a ton of money playing football. And so we were buying houses for like 40 cents of replacement cost or half a replacement cost. Well, every house that we turned around and resold, we were making stupid, stupid returns, like really good money. And I got to a point where it, it was so easy, it felt illegal. And I was telling people like, man, everything I touch turns to sold, man. Like I was going to put a freaking billboard on. I was patting myself in the back. I remember like looking back, like what a douche. You know, I was like, I got so lucky timing wise. It was the best time in the market. Now, was it all luck? No, the market timing was very lucky. I was super fortunate, but I still had to do the deals. I still had to put the together. I'd still had to execute. Everybody else was jumping out because they were scared shitless in the market. I dove head first, not because I was smart, just mostly because I didn't know better, but like it worked out great. Right. But what happened, the pitfalls I was going to talk about is I started thinking I was bulletproof and that everything I touched turned to gold. And so then when I got into uh, private equity and I started investing in businesses, unfortunately for me, the first deal that I ever did went really, really good. And I mean it, that was unfortunate because then I thought I was really good at that too. Like I was like, dude, all these people like lose money investing in businesses all the time. I just invest in a couple companies and hit home runs. This is so simple. Right. And then I got cocky and you know, I started doing more deals and I got my teeth kicked in and I learned really, really quickly that, you know, you're just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean you're good at everything. And that is a pitfall. Like, you guys all know, every person out there knows successful people, either within their workplace, maybe it's their boss, maybe it's your brother or your sister or your parent, family members that have had significant success in some aspect of their life, financially, business, sports, whatever it is. And it's so frustrating for you because you, they act like they know everything about everything because they're successful in that one thing. Yeah. And you're like, dude, you don't know about this just because you run a bank or just because you did this. Like, you don't know, you know, and that's frustrating for people. And it's frustrating for a real, for a good reason, because it's true. These people that have only experienced one thing and found success, they really truly believe that they're good at everything. But if they had to find out, they would find out that they're not good at everything. Yeah. There are business principles and success principles that are going to correlate and translate. And some of the some of the characteristics they develop to get them to those levels are absolutely going to, to trans, transcend those things as well. But it's, it's a hard lesson to learn that what got you there, you have to keep doing it. People just think, you know, you get to a point, 
man, I did this. It came easy. And, and what people don't understand is when you get to that point, you, you actually stop doing most of the things that got you there because you have a team now that does those. Like once I built my business to a certain place, like the day to days that got me to this position to be able to afford a big team, I don't do any of those things anymore. And, and, and by the way, those are perishable skills. Like people think that just because you know how to ride a bike, you can ride a bike forever. Like, you know, it's like riding a bike. Yeah. Guess what? Right. You haven't rode a bike since you were five years old and I try to take you on a nap, like a downhill mountain bike ride. I promise you, you're going to crash your ass off. You're going to oh, sure. scuff yourself. Up. Like it's not that, that term does not apply to life. Right. So learn certain things that have got you to be successful. Unless you continue to sharpen those skills, they are perishable. You will in your mind still believe that you're good at those things. But when you dive in and try to execute on those same skills, you're going to realize they're not there anymore or that they're super, super rusty. And so you've got to continue to use and, and, and sharpen those tools that got you there. If you have to use them, if you want to use them, if you don't, and you want to just chill in life and whatever, that's cool. But if you think that you're, you got to this place and now you're on cruise control and everybody's doing everything for you, but now you're going to take on the next venture and have the same success without going back and using those same things. Good luck. It's not going to happen. I learned that the hard way. Same. Well, <laughs> I, that really resonates with that. And that's why I love that, that you talk about that is like, you're the same things that got you there. You're going to have to keep doing to stay there. Cause those tools, like you're saying, if you're not continuously using that tool, then it, you're just going to stay in the shed. So like always utilizing that, even if you get a team, so that way you can still be in the trenches with them and understand them. That's why, like, I think we trust and admire people who started from the bottom and get to the top is because they know what it took to get there. And you're like, oh, okay, like you understand what this is. Like I get you, you get me. And so like, like that, how do you keep your tools sharpened and your skill set sharpened? Even if you have a team doing it, what helps you with that? And do you have like a daily practice that helps you with that? Or what does really help yeah. you to be teaching with that? Yeah, there's discipline practices that you have to put in place to be able to stay on top of those things. Because like I said, even the knowledge will fade very quickly if you're not in the details, right? So, yeah. so like totally agree with what you said. I think that uh, it's also very important that if you're leading an organization and you have a team, you have team members, you have to be doing some of that on a constant basis or else you're not going to be able to mo motivate your team properly because honestly, they'll lose respect for you. Right. If they just see a big fat happy with your feet up on the desk all day, pointing and, and taking and making orders, like at some point, the people that are working for you are going to start saying, this guy doesn't have a clue what's going on. Like right. he doesn't know how hard this is. He doesn't have a pulse on the business. He doesn't, you know, like when you try to make decisions and you don't know the details, all that does is kind of breed just like lack of respect from, from your team members from the work for you because they don't think that you have empathy for them and right. you, and you really truly don't have it. Right. Yeah. So for me, what I've done is I've put in, I've, put in place just certain disciplines of like uh, scheduling disciplines. So like certain things that I necessarily probably don't have to be a part of, I make sure that I'm scheduled in those meetings for certain businesses and that I attend certain board meetings or that I'm in a weekly planning or a weekly or a monthly call with all of my store managers or I'm, I just make sure that I schedule those things because then I keep a pulse and I'm in front of them and I'm getting the details and I'm processing and making decisions in real time with them collaboratively. And so then they feel like I care and I have a pulse. The other thing is, is that when I, when I invest in a new industry or I take on a new business, I don't, unless I'm just passive in it, like just money, 
if I take any kind of operational role, I always completely fully immerse myself in the business from ground zero. So like for instance, when I started in Crumble Cookies, I knew nothing about baking or making cookies or any of that crap. I, I mean, I had no passion for that. I just, I knew it was a great business opportunity. Uh, I was excited about the growth and, and, but I needed to know the business so that I could optimize the processes and procedures and, and really scale this thing the way I wanted to. So the first thing I had to do is I had to go work in a store. The same thing that we pay people seven bucks an hour for, that's what I had to do for two weeks straight, mixing dough, cleaning floors, washing toilets. I was just acting like an employee in these stores, just I learning from that. ground zero the recipe. And I had to do it so that I knew every detail of the business. I was working the register for days on straight so that I could just understand the interaction with people as they come up and order, how I could upsell them to create higher tickets, how I could upsell them or how I could have a better communication greeting so that we'd get higher tip amounts for our stores so that would offset minimum wages so that we could be a better employer so that people could be paid a better per hour wage without it having to come out of my pocket, especially in high labor markets, premium markets where minimum wage is already 14, 15 hours, you right. know? So these are the things that I had to learn, but I couldn't just like pay an analyst. I couldn't YouTube that shit. I had to go learn it from where I knew nothing about it. I had to dive in and work from the bottom and good examples of this. It's like, you know, you hear people, um, it's so interesting to me when you hear people talk about like, oh, I wouldn't want to work at McDonald's or the teenagers today. Like, oh, get a job at McDonald's. It's like, dude, Jeff Bezos worked at McDonald's at 16 years old. And guess why he did it? Because he wanted to learn the procedures and policies from the best company in the entire world. And guess what that company was at the time? It was McDonald's. They were so good behind the scenes at just consistency and policies and procedures. And so from 16 to 17 or 18 or whatever, when he worked there, he learned those things. And now he's built the best logistics company in the entire world because of what he learned while other people around him were probably like, eh, this sucks. I hate it. He was diving in with an attitude of learning the best and what he needed to take from that to springboard him into the next. And I got people in my stores every day, young, up and coming, ambitious, you know, workers, maybe they want to be entrepreneurs, whatever. A lot of them just want to be in management positions, but they come to me and they're like, you know, I walk in a store and they'll be like, Aaron, I'm going to be a manager for you one day. I want to be a manager. They'll send me Slack messages like, I'm, I've got what it takes, right? Right. And I went into the store and the floors aren't clean or the counter's not wiped off. If you can't do these little things, like you can't even do these little things, how can you do the big things? Because yeah. if you can't do the little things, you have zero chance at being successful at the big things. The big things, the big things like more money, more problems, like, that's like kind of untrue, but it's true in a sense of like you have way more responsibilities and it is harder to execute at a high level than it is in these menial tasks. So if you can't do these, good luck. You have no chance of doing these. So the next time somebody you think in your mind, anybody that's listening to this, hey, I want to I go up the corporate ladder or I want to be a business owner. I want to earn the management position. Like you better check yourself, take an inventory and say, do I do the little things right? Because that's the stuff that people like me notice. I walk in and I'm not like, hey, what's your cookie production for the day? And what's the da-da-da-da? I don't go through that stuff. I don't look at those KPIs. I can see those on a, on a chart on my phone every day. I walk in, I say, okay, did that person greet me when I walked through the door? Are they smiling? Is the countertop clean? And is the floor clean? Those are the things that are telling me this person, because that's the stuff I can't see every day. So if they're doing those things, 
and I can't, and, and I have no way to check on them, then that's the right person. That's the person I want to come with me, right? For sure. I love that because it is how you do one thing is how you do all things, especially the little things. And learning that, I started making my bed every day. So I'm like, that's my win. I'm like, okay, make your bed because the little things are how you do all the big things. And you're so right in that. It's like people want, especially wait, millennials get this bad name because of that specific scenario. It's like, well, I want to be the manager. I want to be the boss, but they're still not willing to go sweep or wipe the table or go greet customers or even make eye contact. And that's really how you're going to make the biggest impact and using those key metrics to see who's successful and who isn't. And I absolutely love that you brought that up. And I like to ask you, like, what key metrics you use for yourself to evaluate yourself every day? Like, did I make an impact today? Or like, is there certain questions that help you live up to being the best you every single day, like as your own key indicator? Yeah. Um, one of the one of the biggest like litmus tests for me to make sure that I'm doing what I want to do is that I think most most people have a pretty clear picture of what they what their goals are or what they wish they were doing on a daily basis in terms of decision-making and discipline, right? Like, yeah. as an example, when you have the time, you sit down, you make some goals. And everybody does this during New Year's. They have these New Year's resolutions like, I want to eat healthy. I'm not going to eat fast food. I'm going to drink a green smoothie every morning. And then I'm going to do 30 minutes of workout. And then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to try to be in bed by 11 o'clock. So everybody has a general idea of what those things are. But we do it our whole the whole year, not just in New Year's. Right. So the best litmus test for me is just checking how disciplined I am because of everything else. If you only get one thing out of this entire podcast, this is probably the greatest truth that I know universally yes. is that discipline equals happiness. Yeah, that's it. Like I love that discipline equals happiness. And so for me, my inventory, my litmus test is, I know what those things are that I want to be doing every day, those disciplined decisions. Have I done them? Did I eat healthy? Did I wake up on time? Did I go to bed on time? Did I spend the time that I, that I should have, that I wanted to with my kids, with my wife? Did I speak to people and communicate with them the proper way that I want to on a daily basis? Did I accomplish my, my you know, my, I have like a two list. I, still like old school every day I come in and I do like the most important things that I have to accomplish every day and like some people think that like very successful people are these super sophisticated like you know algorithmic whatever charts and screens all over their offices and like dude the smartest and most successful people I know are literally like they come in and a list of 10 things or five things that they have to accomplish which are like the most critical tasks or a large portion of them every day and you do that day in and day out and a year goes by and you just kick the shit out of most people in life because that's it it's that easy I'm just a regular ass dude that just makes lists every day and accomplishes them that's it love it I love, love, love you're saying that because I truly believe that to the root of all that I have within me, that self-discipline is the root to self-love, to self, to self-loving yourself, to self-everything, like self-esteem, self-confidence, and to achieving. Because if you're self-disciplined, you learn how to trust yourself and you're like, oh yeah, I can do this. And it really is just as long as I'm trusting myself to be disciplined enough today on what I want to do. Just like to not eat this donut or not eat this cookie or drink what you're supposed to do or talk how you're supposed to talk. And like, those are the key components because that's what makes you go to bed every night, proud of yourself, loving yourself. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it again. And let's do it 1% better because you know that you stepped into your best self and that's what it is. But, but I don't believe that anybody can even taste the, their best self until they learn how to taste self-discipline. 
And once you have that, that is the key. And yeah. that is what will drive you to success in every area of your life. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Self-mastery for me is like my end all goal. Like when people say like, what's the end all? It's self-mastery. Because if I can master myself, everything else is possible. And, and it's funny that you said like one of the things you started doing was making your bed. Like people hear of those kind of stories from like military dudes and this and that. And they think those are just small little things. But I can promise you that like the way to kickstart your day outside of coffee is doing those little tiny things because it's amazing. And people that aren't disciplined, they actually don't even know what this feels like. They don't know how good this is, how good it tastes. You do something like tell yourself, I'm going to make my bed every day this week, just this week. I'm going to get out of my bed. I don't care if anybody's coming over. I don't give a shit. I'm going to make my bed. And it's going to look great. And then when you get to the office, you're going to do these certain things and you're going to do these certain things. You're going to speak to people or you're going to give three compliments to your staff or you're going to, if you do those little things and just win, man, your confidence goes through the roof because of the discipline of, of making yourself a promise and keeping it yes. and your confidence. goes through the roof. And everybody knows that confidence is the key to playing good. It's like, look good, feel good, play good. Deion Sanders, like this guy had it right, man. So you get that confidence, you're feeling good, you're going to play good. And I feel like those little things, like people want to go shoot, you know, whale hunting and shoot for the stars for like a game changing life altering events. Ah, forget all that crap. Wake up and make your bed for a week. You know, Yes. don't eat shitty food for two days or don't do this or try to drink your water or try to just get 15 to 20 minutes exercise, whatever those little things are, if you can do those, if it's a relationship thing, make yourself a promise that you're going to say a sweet thing or something kind to your spouse or your partner every day for a week. Just see how much that changes that person. Like everybody wants their whole spouse to be different or their whole this to change and the grass is greener. Like change you for just a little bit, not like overnight, just do this one little thing and see if she changes a little bit or he changes a little bit and then try something else. And then those things compound and our entire life changes. It's crazy. Love that. And you're so right. Like the compound effect of that is incredible. And just like tasting that win, it's like this serotonin release and you're like, Whoa, I can do this. I can do anything. And it is all these little, little steps. And I love that you're like, I'm just writing these lists and it's the same thing. And it, they become like your must. Like, well, I have to get these done today. So I'm going to figure it out. And then you become super intentional and like laser focused. And somehow you get it all done every day. And then that's like your win. When you cross it off your list, you're like, yes, okay, next thing, let's go. And it just like is this constant like motivator, like propels you to be your best self. And so I absolutely love that you're speaking on that. I love what you're all about. I want to honor your time. So we're coming to an end here. And everything that you brought has been so much valuable, so many like golden nuggets. So a couple of things I want to challenge everybody with that Aaron's talked about is, hey, so instead of saying it's not, I don't have time for that. It's not a priority for me. I want you guys to try that out this week. And then I want you guys to really take into effect, like, how am I spending my time? Is it the best? And I want you to start to believe in you. Because if you don't believe in you, no one can believe in you. So start to believe in you by keeping a promise to yourself. So make a promise that you're going to keep all week long. And then when you do that, Tag Aaron in it, tag me in it. We want to celebrate you. We want to praise you for it, honor you for it, because you're going to feel the win, but we want to win with you. Um, Aaron, how can my audience get to know you better? How can they follow you? Do you have like any offerings that we could talk about? Let's go for it. No. So um, one thing that you'll probably find a little bit different, I don't, I don't sell any programs. I don't have anything like for sale. I, 
I've been um, kind of mentoring on a personal basis, a few people here and there. And every time I sit down and kind of talk about some of these things, people always ask me to like mentor them or coach them. And one of the things that I really love to do is to coach and mentor and help people. Unfortunately, I have priorities of mentoring, coaching, and teaching that are like all under the age of 12 that are priorities over random people that I approach me, even that. though I'd love to help them all. And so one, one thing that I learned um, about myself was that, hey, I'd love to give back and to be able to help others, but to do it um, effectively, I'm just going to have to create content and put it out there. And I don't, I don't want to make money from it. I don't want to charge people from it. I, that way people, and, and not to say that these are mutually exclusive, they're not by any means. But the reason that I do it and I don't charge anybody for it is I want people to understand that that is my motive is really just to help. And, and everything I say is not going to be, you know, overwhelming or effective for other people. Like just hopefully some of it helps people and some of it's going to change people and some of it has already changed a lot of people. And that, that's the kind of stuff that when I hear those stories, it motivates me to do more of it. So um, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Aaron Wags, A-R-O-N-W-A-G-S. And then I have a YouTube channel and my links. Uh, to my YouTube channels in my uh, Instagram bio. So that's, I'm putting it out there and hopefully it helps people. And that's the only reason I'm doing it. Well, I love it. You've helped me. You've totally impacted my life. So keep it up. Thank you so much. I'll go ahead and link all those up in the podcast for you guys too. You guys follow him along. He's amazing. And he really uses his podcast or sorry, he uses his Instagram to really like motivate and to share like his wins. And that's something that he's talked about. And so I think it's really cool because that you get to see like all these spotlights and how he parents and how he does his business and all the things. So follow along, enjoy the journey. And Aaron, thank you so much. You've been such an amazing guest. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Have the best so day, much. guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. See you guys. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to Just Talking Today. I hope you got some value out of it. I hope you learned something. I hope you laughed. I hope you cried maybe a little bit if it's one of those kind of episodes. I just want to thank you so much for all your love and support and you just tuning in. It really means the world to me. If you would do me an extra solid and whatever platform you're using right now to listen to it, if you just go ahead and subscribe so that way you can always know when a new episode drops for you so you can be in the know. And also if you would just go ahead and leave me a little review, mark that star, whether it be the first star or the fifth star, whatever you're on that day and leave me a little review. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much again for all your love and support. Sending you all the love and light your way. Thanks again for tuning in to Just Talking. Have the best day.